I served in Vietnam. I served in World War II. I served in Afghanistan. And VA serves us all. No matter when you served. No matter if you saw combat or not. There are benefits for veterans of every generation. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This Week at VA. I'm your host, Marine veteran Timothy Lawson. Today, we're going to connect with an Air Force veteran making a name for herself in show business. But before we talk to her, I want to spotlight a significant event that occurred just yesterday at VA Central Office in Washington, D.C. President Donald Trump visited our department's main building, and while at VA, the president signed an executive order entitled Improving Accountability and Whistleblower Protection at the Department of Veterans Affairs. The executive order is focused on improving accountability and whistleblower protection at VA by creating an office dedicated to that purpose and the position of special assistant to the secretary, who will report directly to the secretary and serve as executive director of the office. The VA will establish the office and appoint the executive director within 45 days of the signing of the order. To read more about President Trump's visit to VA and three new key announcements made by Secretary Shulkin, visit blogs.va.gov. Today's feature interview is with Air Force veteran Sky Marshall. Sky served from 2000 to 2004 and eventually went on to pursue a career in Hollywood. She's done commercials, TV shows, web series, and movies, and has worked alongside legends such as Al Pacino. Sky is going to tell us about her journey from the military to show business and where she's headed next. Enjoy. All right, Sky Marshall, Air Force veteran, currently acting down there in Hollywood, getting into showbiz. Thank you so much for for joining me on This Week at VA. Thank you so much for having me, Timothy. I have seen you mentioned uh, here and there over the interwebs, but it wasn't until uh, I saw your involvement with the recent Got Your Six She's Badass campaign. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I, I reached out to them. I had just done an interview with Bill Roush, and then I saw the campaign, and I, and I asked them, hey, can you can you make an introduction? I'd like to have Sky on the podcast, and they were uh, nice enough to do so. So that's, that's what brings us here, you and I uh, doing this interview. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Bill's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I'm glad that led me to you. Absolutely. Sky, we start every podcast, every interview with the same question. The one thing that all of us veterans have in common is the decision to join the United States military. Uh, <laughs> bring us back to that day for you. Oh, um, the day I decided to join the military. Um, I went and I went to a private school for my freshman year of college and that's when I realized I wasn't going to get much financial aid and assistance. And I also didn't want to end up being one of those 25-year-olds with hundreds of thousand dollars of student debt. And I didn't want to stay in Chicago as well, but I didn't have any family that I wanted that I could go live with outside of the state of Illinois. So with those three um, combined, as far as needing financial assistance for college, also wanting to get out of Illinois, um, and, you know, my, my mother was very busy with a lot of, uh, children. I'm one of seven. So, um, you know, I had a lot of independence, but I also didn't want to, 
um, you know, just fall victim to my environment in Chicago. So I wanted to also um, enlist myself in some kind of organization, community that would be able to instill some discipline in me because I definitely needed it as a teenager for obvious reasons. So I went and I initially was going to enlist in the Navy. But then once I realized that my ASVAB score was so high and that I was eligible for the Air Force, I then went and uh, and swore in for the Air Force. But I, I got all the way. I did my I did my physics with the Navy and I literally was like in the line um, to swear in for the Navy. And somebody asked me, what was your ASVAB t- uh, score? And I told him while we were in the line. And he was like, oh, you could go into the Air Force. And I was like, really? I didn't even know. Like my, my recruiter, for obvious reasons, didn't even tell me my score. He just told me I passed. Um, so, yeah, so I left the line and, uh, and, and went to the uh, Air Force recruiting office. And that's why I initially enlisted. And it was, you know, it was pre-9-11. So it was peacetime. Um, and it just seemed like a, a logic reason to, to go and, and, uh, yeah, it made sense at the time. <laughs> yeah. What, what year is that? That was in, uh, 2000. In 2000. That was August of 2000. So as you know, Air Force, uh, basic training is in San Antonio, Texas. So August during, <laughs> uh, boot camp in San Antonio. Oh my. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How, was uh, it shield? How long did you, did you do, um, four years? How long did you do? Yes. Yeah. I, I did a four year contract. So, uh, one thing I like to, to ask people, my, my listeners know this, um, people who enlisted, uh, before nine 11 and, um, it, it were in the military when that occurred. Can you just briefly describe the, the, the shift, the change in the military that you witnessed from, September 10, 2001 to, to September 12, 2001. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, wow. The shift. It was really, it felt like college. It felt like I was on a university campus. Um, everybody was just doing their job. It was peacetime. Majority of the airmen that um, I was surrounded by were pretty much enlisted for college. So um, I didn't really have any gun-ho airmen around me, you know, saying I enlisted to fight my country because that just wasn't in the conversation at that time in 2000. So it was very um, relaxing. And I worked eight, nine hours at the hospital and uh, came home and I was stationed in Las Vegas, Nellis Air Force Base. So I would have fun weekends and fun evenings out. And then um, when 9-11 happened, it com- it completely it completely shifted absolutely um i remember that day um we had to we were restrained to the base and everybody just pretty much had to um go get prepared for uh an assembly hall and um the base commander came and spoke to all of us and you know it was it was a wake up call you know cuz here we all were so excited about our mgi bill but it's like, oh, no, this is real. You can't leave. And it's time for you to officially serve your country. And it, it, it got real, real quick. And um, so the as far as the energy 
that you that you're asking of, it was definitely more fear in the air, anxiety, um, people uh, that I knew at my base were doing very extreme things to um, get out of the military. At the time, you could not be homosexual. So I, I knew a guy who said he was gay, and I, nobody knew if he really was because um, he hid it so very well. But he was able to get a general discharge, and um, I knew a girl who uh, got pregnant and didn't want to really be pregnant, but it was worth her getting out of the military. I mean, I, I saw some extreme – there were some extreme things that happened at that time, um, yeah, that a lot of people don't think about. And um, and for me, it was uh, – I didn't know what to expect for, you know, obvious reasons. I was, you know, teenager and um, and I had friends in the Marines and I had friends in the Army and they were, obvious for you know, very, very scared. And, um, and deploy, deployments were just getting handed out like candy. <clears throat> and – um, you know, even though the Air Force isn't responsible for the foot soldiers, we're, we're, we're definitely, um, you know, all, all, all teams make the world go round. So, uh, we were also affected as well, just as far as me being a med, working in a hospital, you know, a lot of medics were being deployed and, um, and our base became undermanned. So no longer was I working my eight hours. I became an augmentee and they had me work, um, as uh, security forces for, you know, 12 hour days now, 12, 13 hour days. Um, It wasn't, it wasn't my cushy, you know, office job anymore. I was outside in the, in the Nevada, under the Nevada sun doing perimeter checks. um, And, you know, at the gate point, everything completely changed. It was, it was uh, outside of just the energy, but um, the duties, the the responsibilities, um, even, little things that they came really hard down on us as far as like room inspections were just more extreme. It's like they really wanted to make sure that our discipline was at its a game for whatever was to be expected. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have a, an experience or a story from your time in the service that sort of sums up your time in the military, maybe the epitome of your service? Um, what do you mean by as far as an experience? Um, I don't know if you, when you think back to your service, what story sticks out? What's one that you usually tell people? What's one that sort of represents your time in? <laughs> There's so many because, as I just told you, I was stationed in Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, imagine putting a bunch of like teenagers and early 20 year olds in Vegas, you know, and yeah. then, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's another conversation. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> As far as uh, my service, just the camaraderie was just uh, unbelievable. Um, the brotherhood that, that in the sisterhood that we all had to share, just sitting around, um, you know, bonfires, having conversations, and um, you know, I actually, actually, um, uh, basic training was huge for me because, um, yeah, as you know, when you get off that bus, it's very nerve wracking and. When the TIs come running up and they're like, you know, who wants to volunteer to be the flight leader? And none of the girls raised their hand. So I just threw my hand up and he was like, done. And, you know, being able to step up in that position, just it it was it was it was amazing for me to see myself step up. 
and uh, take responsibility for my flight. Um, and we became stronger than ever as we, as we, uh, as you know, we go against our, our brother flight. Um, so a lot of the experiences that I had actually in basic training really molded me to be the woman that I am today more than my enlistment. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. They, I hope they don't underestimate how effective that six weeks is when it comes to breaking someone down and, you know, uh, their conditionings and building them back up as soldiers. Yeah. Why, why did you decide to, to get out? I decided to get out because I completed my mission. I did my time, got my MGI bill, and I was on to the next chapter in my life, which was to obtain a bachelor's degree with no debt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was a great experience. It was an experience I didn't see coming, but I'm so glad that I, I, I had it. But there were so many other dreams and goals on that checklist that I needed to accomplish. And that was just a chapter that um, that had to come to an end. I never had plans on retiring in the Air Force. Yeah. Did you did you experience any sort of emotional crisis after you transitioned? Um, did I experience any emotional crisis after transitioning? No, actually, they made the transition very smooth. I will I will definitely say that I'm so proud of the VA. Um, even till today, I still use the VA services. I go to the VA Medical Center here in Los Angeles. When I lived in New York, I went to the one there. When I lived in Chicago, I went to the one there. I've never had a bad experience at any of the VA hospitals. Um, even when I got out, I was able to get unemployment. It was very easy. And then, of course, you know, it being year number two and a half in during the 9-11 war, you have any military branch on your resume and a nice smile, you're getting hired. Hmm, yeah. So it didn't take me long uh, to transition from the military life to a career in um, in the medical industry, actually. Again, I worked at a plastic surgery clinic as an OR technician while I was going to school and finishing up my degree because I didn't get to complete it while I was in service. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, had the MGI bill to, to, to still continue outside of service. I was able to get assistance while I was shopping around for a job. And then as soon as I got my, my, my job, I was good financially, but the VA was still always there and available to me as far as, like I said, any of my medical, um, um, needs that were required. I never, never had a problem. How long did it take you to discover a renewed purpose? <sighs> what do you mean by a renewed purpose? Well, I've, you know, veterans often um, struggle after the military because we're pumped full of purpose for our four to 30 years that we're in the military. Um, and it's difficult for a lot of veterans to find a fulfilling purpose again afterwards. Um, did you, did you experience anything like that? Uh, or did you, uh, were you able to just flow right into your next responsibility without, uh, really feeling that void of purpose? Yeah, no, I never had the void of purpose. Um, only because enlisting in the military was a, a piece of a puzzle to a big picture that I already knew I had since I was probably at the age of 15. Um, you know, I, I grew up doing theater, 
I grew, I was always doing plays. I was always a dancer or a cheerleader. Even when I was in the military, I would always perform at the talent shows on the base. And it would just be me, like a one woman show. Like how, <laughs> how, how like narcissistic could I have been? Like, come on, we're in war and I'm putting together a Janet Jackson ensemble. Um, <laughs> please. So, um, it was always in my blood. I was, it was, I, I, I didn't have, dreams and my purpose was never attached to serving the US of A. But being able to take care of myself and take care of my responsibilities and also go through the checklist of what society tells you 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 need and you should have at a certain age. So I was like, oh I have to have the college degree. I have to have it. How funny that I ended up in a in an industry in a career where the only prerequisite is having a gift. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm an actor. You could be a high school dropout and still succeed in this business. You know, I don't need a bachelor's degree to do what I do now. And but it was it was just a dream of mine and a goal of mine to to have that, like most Americans. Um, and I needed to have that by any means. So my 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 vision and my purpose was really to be able to have uh, a a big, beautiful corner office in New York City working as a corporate woman. That was, that's what I thought was going to be the dream. And the Air Force helped me um, as being a piece of that puzzle. Yeah. So it accomplished exactly what it needed to when it came to the journey that I was on. But it wasn't I'm in the military. This is my purpose in life. Oh, wait, now I'm getting out. How do I figure this out? How can I repurpose this vision? I never had to go through that experience. Instead, as soon as my enlistment was over, I was just like, oh, thank you so much. I was so grateful for the military. And even till today, I still benefit off of being a veteran. It's it, it blows my mind. Every week I'm in a conversation about being a veteran mm-hmm. every single week. And I've been out for so long now, but it's still such a part of my life and always will be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's still serving its purpose in my life. It, it will never stop serving its purpose ever. I, I, you know, I have good news that's connected even to the military, but I'll share that with you down the road later. <laughs> okay, very well. What's, uh, let's talk about how you, you're an, you're an actress now out in Hollywood. You have, uh, a number of, Interesting things on your resume to include web series, television, movies, commercials. You did a commercial for USA as a Marine. I think that's funny. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but how, wh- when did you finally decide, yep, I'm pursuing this, and what was the catalyst for that? Yeah, so uh, you know that that office, that shiny office in New York that I had on my, on my dream sheet? Yeah. Yeah. I got that desk. I got to that desk and I sat at that desk for two years and that's where I realized that a cubicle was my own personal hell. <laughs> so it was like, do I throw myself out the window or down the stairs? But either way, I got to go. Um, it just, it wasn't fulfilling. And it's like, I, I sat, I remember sitting there and, you know, I was on the phone. I called my mom and I was just like, I worked so hard for this desk. You know, like I went through the military and I went through college and I did really good so I can graduate with honors so that I can get a good job. And I got the good job and I'm here and this doesn't feel like it. Like, what am I missing? And, um, 
you know, my mom is very spiritual and she was just like, well, if you don't know what you want to do, then that's what you need to ask, you know? So I was like, oh, okay. You know, like I, I didn't have, I didn't have a relationship with God. I was a fan of his work, but we didn't talk like that, you know? So I was like, okay, let me, uh, let me tap into this, you know? And I did. And interesting enough, it just really hit me. And it was like, you need to be doing acting professionally. Now, acting, like I said, was always a part of my life since I was a kid. But it was always a hobby. I grew up in a house with a doctor and a teacher. So for them, it you know, just because you go to the gym doesn't mean you're going to be a personal trainer. You know what I mean? Like, you enjoy it, sure. But that's not a career, you know. Um, so I never even thought of acting as an option. Like, it didn't even dawn on me at all. Um, instead, it was like, ugh, let me go to the theater to, like, release some stress so I can figure out what I want to do with my life. <laughs> uh, but it never was the the uh, the end result as far as the quest to figure it out. But it did. It hit me that day. And um, it literally hit me like a bag of bricks. I can't even exaggerate, and I still remember the moment. And I'm the type of person, if if if, if I ask, whether it's something spiritual or if, if it's directly to another human being and I'm given an action, I can't say no. I can't turn away from it. It's like you asked for it. Here it is. Now do it. But so many people can get caught up in the how. And when it comes to acting in television and film, the how is very scary because the numbers are so competitive. So, of course, I could have easily been like acting. Are you kidding me? 27, I'm not going to quit my job right after the economy crash to go and play make-believe. Like, this is ridiculous. Come on. Um, but all of a sudden, it was just everywhere. Everybody would come up to me. They're like, you're so funny. You should do, like, comedy or something. Or, like, they'd come up to me and be like, are you an actor? You're so entertaining. Um, it just nonstop. It, it was weird. No one ever said that to me before, but all of a sudden, now everybody was. Or, like, I'd be sitting down waiting for the bus, and the bus, another bus would go by, and it'd be like, Visit California. And I was just like, okay, I've seen the signs. Time to go. Yeah. And um, and I packed up and drove from New York to L.A. And it was the best decision next to joining the military that I've, I've ever made. Out of your – out of the projects that you've been a part of, yes. uh, which one was it where you, where you finally had that aha moment of like, I've, I've made it, I can do this, and this is exciting? Oh, definitely. That would be this film. Oh, no, nah, man. Oh, yeah. No, that's the first one that came to mind. So I'm gonna stick with it. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> it was there was. OK, so when I first moved out to L.A., I was an extra on CSI New York for an entire year. I worked in the laboratory. So they were like, oh, you're part of the staff. So you could just work as a, you know, five days a week here if you want. And I was like, absolutely, because. As a background on a SAG show, that was like $200 a day. So I was getting like between $800 to $1,000 a week nice. just being background on this show. And, you know, I always grew up with that, with the, you know, the, the mindset of it's not about what you're doing. It's about who you're being while you're doing it. So for me, I didn't have my head down like, oh, I'm just an extra. I had my head high and I was like, no, this is a paid internship and I need to be studying these people and learning this language you know, because I only knew theater. I didn't know what a boom mic was or had a banana around a camera. Like, I didn't know any of that. So it was just like a really great um, internship for me to have that experience. 
Um, but because I was always so um, big eye, bushy tail, wanting to learn, the second um, assistant director, who was pretty much like the wrangler for all the extras, um, he would get so frustrated with me all the time. He would be like, Sky, would you please go back to holding with the rest of the background? But instead, I'd be sitting like in Video Village where like the director is. <laughs> and he would just get so irritated with me. And he and I would just always go back and forth. Fast forward. Um, four years after that, uh, I'm, I'm at that time a work, you know, a working actor. I had built up some credits. I did like the mentalist on CBS and a few other gigs. And, um, I saw this audition for this amazing film and, um, I went in for it. Casting said, no, I found out that one of the now producers of the film was that second AD who used to wrangle me as an extra on CSI New York. So I, I reached out to him on Facebook and I was like, I think I'm per- perfect for this role, you know, um, and he was like, well, put yourself on tape and then I'll get it to the director. And I was like, perfect. So I did that. He got it to the director. And two weeks later, I found out I booked the movie and it was a movie called Misconduct. And the movie didn't do do great, but I was in New Orleans Filming with Al Pacino, Anthony Hopkins, Josh Dumel, Julia Stiles, Malin Ackerman, um, I mean, uh, Byung Hung Lee, like just some of the most incredible um, actors together in New Orleans just having fun. Like we went dancing and we, we had dinners and I've had two dinners back to back sitting next to Al Pacino talking about why he almost got fired off of Scarface, you know, and for me to be. When I when I was sitting in these moments, and I would think back to sitting at that cubicle, saying, you know, telling my man, my my account managers, like, yeah, laugh if you want, I'm going to be working with Robert De Niro and Tina. They're like, yeah, sure you will, cool. And then here it is, five years later, and I'm sitting next to Tina in New Orleans, um, sharing a camera with him, and to have people that worked with me in the corporate world to have them like send me emails or texts or Facebook and they're like, Oh my God, you did it. We're so proud of you. <laughs> that was like just a really huge moment for me to be sitting there, you know, having, especially with Al Pacino saying, you know, t- talking about the Godfather and he's just like, you know, you just, this guy, you just have no idea what it was like for me to, you know, be working with Marlon Brando. You know I mean? It was Marlon Brando and I'm looking at Al Pacino like, yeah, I think I have an idea. I think I get it. I kind of think I know what you mean. That's yeah. Great. Uh-huh. Got it. So, um, but that's when I knew that we're all just human beings. We're all human beings on this journey of self-discovery. Um, and nobody is above you. You are just as valuable as the president and anyone else on this planet. Because how, how is it that I can decide that I'm going to do this, this field of work and now I'm sitting next to one of the greats. But you get exactly what you expect. And I expected to do that. I expected to do great work. And um, and I, that mentality definitely was um, planted in me from, from the day I arrived at basic training. That's great. Like, that's, that's a great really story. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when I knew. Yeah. I just telling myself just don't quit just don't quit don't quit just don't quit you know even recently with me working in the military you know working in the hospital 
for the, for those years. And then, and outside of the hospital, I was obsessed with the TV show once I got out of the service though with Grey's Anatomy because I had all this experience in the hospital. I understood, especially surgery. Like, come on, that's my jam. So for me to then, you know, just last month, I had a top of show guest star on Grey's Anatomy. But I remember when I was on the set and I was just blown away that I had arrived. Like the show that I had been obsessed with 13 years ago, I can't believe it's still out, um, that here I am on the other side of the camera. So it just shows me how powerful we really are. And we could we we all could obtain exactly what what we want. And I I just spread that more and more to just show people I'm no different. And especially veterans, like veterans are very important to me. I'm with a lot of different groups here of vets and, um, and you know, it is people, people, you know, when they get out of the service or right before they get out of the service, they are frightened to death of the transition or the what now. And I always want to just kind of be that, um, that, that shining light that they can all say, Oh, well, that's an option. That, too, is an option if I want to pursue the arts. That's an option. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> what's, a, what's a challenge in show business that you didn't expect? So we all hear the, the typical challenges that, you know, ex- aspiring actors and actresses have when they go to Hollywood. But what's something that caught you by surprise? Ooh, that caught me by surprise. Patience. <laughs> and now I know you would think, oh, that shouldn't be a surprise. You should just have patience. Yeah. Um, but that's the hardest part of this of this business. Uh, you have to understand um, an audition probably lasts between three to maybe 10 minutes. But that three to 10 minutes that's really the only like extremely hard part of this job because once you get to set, whether it's a television show or a movie, they shoot the exact same scene over and over and over and over. You'll be working on two lines for like two and a half hours. Hmm. So eventually they're going to find the most incredible take. And then the editor's going to piece it all together and it's going to look like the most fantastic work. But people don't realize how many times they've had to do it. You know, it truly is a village when you work on a TV set and a movie set. There's so many people there to make you look good, to tell you, you know, give you some adjustments if needed. The the music, the lighting, There's it's, it's an orchestration of art. But the audition, it's just you. It's just you showing up with your choices and you have between three to 10 minutes to make somebody love you and hire you. That's the hardest part of this business is the audition. That's it. Once you get to set, it's smooth sailing. They'll work with you. Um, so when you, but when you go on auditions, it's a numbers game. You collect as many no's as possible until you get to your yes. And that requires patience, a lot of patience. And, um, You know, this is a business where you have to experience rejection a lot. But I didn't realize that at the beginning, I would look at them as auditions. And do they like me or not? And I completely had to transform that entire narrative in my mind. And instead, 
I call them a showcase. Like, yeah, I'm going to go showcase. I have this scene that they gave me. They want to see me do it. So I'm just going to go do like a little little theater up front of two people. It's only two people, but we're sold out. So (laughs) (laughs) because that's the thing, you just have to change the narrative and you change your whole feelings about it. You change your whole vibe and you change your whole frequency of, of what it is that you want to accomplish. You know what I mean? You just have to just change the narrative. If you, if it's sad and scary, then that's exactly the experience you're going to be in. And if you go into an audition with those thoughts, you're, you're of course you're going to tank. Um, so yeah, I didn't expect, uh, that I would find a way around dealing with that rejection because that is what, um, a lot of people quit this business. Because it's a, it's, it's, it can be, it can be too much. You get so caught up on wanting to play a role or be a part of a project and then you don't get it and now you have to start all over again with the next one. Um, so I'm glad that I've over, I overcame that because now, um, every audition is an opportunity for me to act. Every audition is an opportunity for me to perform and do my job, whether I'm getting paid for it or not. And, um, yeah. What's a skill set from the Air Force that you think contributes to your career today? Definitely discipline. Definitely discipline. Even till today, I get up and I can't I can't walk away from my bed without making it. <laughs> um, and, you know, at the time, I didn't know why that was important. I'm like, do we have to keep making our beds and doing this and doing that? And I didn't realize um, it is discipline. It's getting up and doing something um, and being consistent and um, it, whether you want to do it or not. And I just like the Air Force, you have to get up and you have to choose it every day. And, and every day I wake up, I have to choose this business every day I wake up. And um, the Air Force definitely taught me how to um, respect the chain of command. <laughs> I do not go over anyone's head. And, um, and that's very important in this business because so many people, um, can, I mean, not so many people. Anyone can really damage or ruin a relationship if you don't use the proper chain of command. And I have so many civilian friends that don't care. They don't. It's not even a part of 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 their of their conversation. They don't even know what that means. They're just like, you know what? I have contact to the producer, so I'm just going to call him. And I'm like, yeah, but that's like a casting director question. You don't need to go straight to the producer and bother him. Now you're going to upset the director. You know what I mean? And so it's just like. That chain of command is so important to me and I've used it um, all. I use it all the time in this business and it has gotten me so far when it comes to my relationships that I've been able to maintain and obtain. And um, just as much as your craft is important to be successful in this business, the art of relationships and the art of networking is just as important, if not more. Uh, we're wrapping up with the last couple questions here. Um, mm-hmm. Give me, give me a veteran in the community or an organization in this community that you really admire and you're excited about what they have going on. Whew, so many, but I'm going to have to go with Mike Dowling. Mike Dowling. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that a familiar name to you? It is. Yeah. Mike's, okay. uh, he's a, he's such a great guy. He is. He was recently, we made him veteran of the day recently submitted by his friends over at we are the mighty. Um, oh wow, that's yeah. amazing! Uh, and I work at We Are the Mighty as well. 
Yes, that was uh that that was going to be part of my my last couple of questions was your work over at uh, over there. Um, yeah, yeah. Admittedly, I didn't know that till today when I was browsing some um, uh, the, the veteran websites, and then you know I went through Task and Purpose and We Are the Mighty, and then I came across a video that you had done. Um, how did you get connected with We Are the Mighty? Mike Daly. <laughs> Mike Daly. Look at Mike. Yeah. Look at Mike being such a great guy. Yeah, Mike and I, we definitely are like just a, a, a ball in a bat. I just throw, he hits it out the park and vice versa. Um, I've given him work opportunities. He's aligned me with some amazing contacts um, and veterans and organizations. And um, he, I guess they were having a, a, a brainstorm meeting about some creative ideas for the social platform and the media platform and um, my name came up and they didn't even like interview me or anything. They just offered me the job. They were like, Hey, you want to come in and do some videos with us? And I was like, sure, absolutely. Let's have some fun. And then like just at the beginning of us doing it, I remember one of, one of the videos I did with them um, hit like around 5 million views. And I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. You guys really have a platform over here. Like we need to really, really start working on some some uh some content like let's really go go in um but yeah mike was there and he he loved working with we are the mighty and then he brought me into the family and i still currently pop in and out and do some videos for them he's just he's very motivating and he's very kind and he's very um gracious and grateful just an all-around good really 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 good dude if if you if there's something you need or need to know especially when it comes to the, the um, uh, veteran service, he's the guy to go to. He's the guy to call. Like I've had some, um, you know, casting uh, directors reach out to me and they're like, you know, we need men who know how to do this or uh, we need six Marines that are all above six feet tall. And I'm like, okay, let me call Mike. <laughs> and, you know, Mike is just always the guy that just knows and like, I need to consult Mike. He doesn't even know it, but I need to consult him about a new movie that I'm going to be shooting where I finally get to play a, a military soldier. And you saw him, my God, you're six where I'm like, they don't, they say, what does a veteran look like? And then I don't look like a veteran until the day I've never booked a military role. I just booked my military, my first military role. And I leave in two weeks to go film in Memphis, Tennessee for six weeks. So I'm so oh, very excited. Very cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I play an army soldier out in um, Iraq. Yeah. During the war. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on that note, Sky, um, if anybody's listening, like, man, I, I really dig what the what Sky's got going on. I want to check out her work. How can people do that? Uh, absolutely. Well, I have, um, you can contact me through my website, which is Sky, S-K-Y-E, Marshall, Dot com. Um, I'm also, you can find me on IMDb and on IMDb, you can see all of my um, credits with television and film. And again, that's Sky, S-K-Y-E, middle initial P and then Marshall on my IMDb. And then you can just search for the same name to find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm always on there just kind of keeping people in my circle, you know, updated with what I have going on. But yeah, I'm always down for reach, you know, connecting with um, any and everyone, as long as you bring positivity and keep the negative away, we're good. <laughs> but yeah, you can contact me through any of those platforms for sure. Very well, Sky. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to my audience, and I, I look forward to, to your work in the future. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Timothy, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. 
getting out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to people that don't understand. I would be talking, but I wasn't there with them. You just feel so alone. I still had the anger. I still had the addictions, but we didn't talk about that. Came to a point where it's like, okay, I really need to talk to somebody about this. Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go to the VA, you're a veteran, see what they can do to help you. When you have family, friends, when you have the facilities like the VA and the vet center, it gives me, it gives others encouragement to keep moving forward. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people because it takes true strength to ask for help. Talking with, with other veterans was the best method for learning the roadmap to success. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Scott used her GI Bill to get a degree in media and theater at Northeastern Illinois University. I'm willing to guess that some of you may not know that you can enroll in programs such as that using your VA education benefits. If you have any higher education that you're hoping to pursue and are unsure if VA will cover it, I suggest contacting that institution and asking if they have a veteran service officer that can answer any questions you have or do a Google search for VA Education School Locator. The top result should be a VA site called School Locator that has a link to discovering schools approved by VA education benefits listed by state and a link that displays schools that use the Yellow Ribbon Program. Those are two very useful tools. Today's Veteran of the Day is Army and Navy veteran Anthony L. Johnson. Anthony enlisted in the Army after graduating from high school. He trained as an administrator and was assigned to U.S. Central Command located at MacDill Air Force Base. There he participated in various military exercises such as Gallant Knight and Gallant Eagle. We thank Anthony for his service. To read Anthony's full write-up and to nominate your own Veteran of the Day, visit blogs.va.gov. That does it for episode 28. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions you'd like to have addressed here on the show, please tweet them to us using hashtag VA podcast or email us newmedia at va.gov. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DEPT Vet Affairs for more stories from our community. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. Mm-hmm.